Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. If you got your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, you can turn on your Bible, open up your app. Come on. Some of y'all have a paper bobble. Thank God for you. How many of y'all have a paper bobble? You prefer paper? I prefer paper, actually, to read. Not to preach from, but to read. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Y'all ready for a Bible lesson? Yes. <laughs> that sounds so funny. <laughs> a Bible lesson. Well, hey, we're going to get into this story today. Uh, in Second Timothy chapter 4, this is one of the epistles that Paul writes. Epistles are just w- what we would call letters. And so he wrote these letters uh, basically to the churches. And Second Timothy was written to one of Paul's spiritual sons, uh, Timothy is one of Paul's spiritual sons. Is kind of one of his protégés. He was the guy that was going to basically take over where Paul left off. He was like the main guy. And Second Timothy is the last book that Paul wrote before he died. And we're going to look at the last chapter of the last book from the guy who wrote through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the guy who wrote all of that, the last word, some of the last words he was saying. How many know that that's pretty important? So Paul is writing this. This is, this is just weeks, possibly even days, before Paul is going to be beheaded for Jesus. So this is critical, and he knows what's about to happen. So he tells Timothy, his spiritual son, he says, For I am already, verse 6, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. Notice he didn't say I'm about to die. He said I'm about to leave. In other words, I'm leaving earth and entering heaven. And then he makes this statement about his life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be able to say what Paul says right here. He says, I have fought the good fight. Everybody say fight. He says, I have finished. Everybody say finished. I have finished the race. Everybody say the race. Notice he didn't say my race. He says the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Now I think it's interesting that Paul says I'm looking forward to God judging me. See, when you live righteous, you can look forward to that day. When you are in righteous, when you are in Christ, you can look forward to the day of judgment. Because it's not a day of condemnation, it's a day of reward. And Paul is saying, man, I am looking forward to that day. I'm going to be rewarded because I've fought, I've kept, I've ran well, and I'm looking forward to standing before the judge. And it's not just an award award for me on that day, not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. All of those who are going after Jesus, who are longing for the return of Jesus, it will also be a wonderful day for them. And he starts all this statement off with saying, I have fought the good fight. I have fought. He's a fighter. Paul was a fighter, not a physical fighter. I love I love to watch MMA. I love to watch uh, fighting. I hope that doesn't lower you, lower my image of you in your eyes. But I, I love to watch these guys get in there and slug it out. And part of the reason why I enjoy it is because I know that they're fighters. They're not just fighting a fight. These guys spend months 
training. Most of them have spent most of their life training for a match that's three to five rounds. So anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes, these guys go and they pour hours and weeks, sometimes, uh, you know, five, six months into training. So when they show up on that day, they can exercise, they can put out all that they put in. And so here they are, they give up months of training, they battle injuries, they battle illness, their immune systems sometimes are broken down, they, they get on a strict diet, they get away from their family. It is very costly for these guys to fight. But they just realize, hey, I'm a fighter, I've got to give up if I'm going to show up on that day. And sometimes we have people that want to show up for the fight, but they don't want to put in the work ahead of time, and what happens to those guys? They don't last very long. We knew a guy. <laughs> we knew a guy that uh, decided to play his hand at fighting. And so he decides to do one of these, you know, kind of local events somewhere in Oklahoma. I'm not going to share his name with you because I don't want to embarrass him. And uh, just awesome guy shows up to fight this guy. Now, I, I, he did a little training camp and all this kind of stuff. And he shows up. We watch it. We get on the Internet and watch it. We found the link. And we're able to watch this guy fight. And he gets taken down in the first round and just the whole fight, just the guys on top of him beating him up. He ends up losing the fight. Why? Why? Well, he wasn't really a fighter. He fought a fight, but he wasn't a fighter. And Paul was a fighter. He didn't just fight a fight. He was a fighter. It was part of his DNA. It was part of his lifestyle. See, we don't do Christianity. We're Christians. We don't go to church. We are the church. It's who we are. See, you don't, you don't go on missions trips, trip, mission trips. You're a missionary. Missionaries go on missions trips. They go on missions. But how many know that this is part of your identity? It's you do because of who you are. Then he says this, I have finished the race. I have finished the race. See, Paul knew that his place was found in running God's race. Did you know that you find your place in running God's race? Some people say, well, I just want to know what God's plan for me is. Once you find out what God's plan is, and you get in his plan. But we've got so caught up in consumerism is we want to know what's in it for me. What's in it for me? Listen, what is in me for God? That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for God to bless my race. I want to get into the race that's already blessed. I want to get into his race. So Paul knew his place was, finding, was found in running God's race. We find our place in running his race. That's where you find your place. When I think about runners, you know, they, they're, they're equipped for it, right? They go out and they run. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a runner. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you today. I am not a runner. I go to the gym about four days a week, sometimes five days a week. I, I'm at the gym, but I am not a runner. I get on a treadmill. I don't run. There's two occasions that I run. One is if I'm running from something, and if it's something dangerous, I hope that I'm faster than you, but I probably won't be because I'm not a runner. And the other thing is a buffet line. Those are the only things that I run towards. I'm not a runner. I'll run if I have to, but, but I'm not a runner. I ran... A couple weeks ago, we got to go to Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and I got outran by my 11-year-old son. And if that wasn't bad enough, I got outran by my wife. It's a good humbling experience for me. Oh, well, the Lord will use the foolish things. All right. You're a good runner, baby. 
You are a runner. Hi. So Jesus. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't even know. So Jesus runs into this guy in Mark chapter 10, who's running a race. Not a physical race, but he has a pursuit in his life. He's, and it says this, that Jesus, verse 17, Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So here he is. He's excited. Jesus gets down. He's like, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm in this thing. Good teacher, he asked. Jesus answered with a, with a winking emoji. If we had, we, this was to be translated in 2019, it would have a little winking emoji right there. Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. If you catch what I'm saying, right? If you have ears to hear, this is what Jesus is saying. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commands. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you know the commands. Do not murder. Starts laying out the Mosaic Covenant. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your mom and dad. Teacher, verse 20. He declares all these things. What is it going to take for me to get in? What is it going to take for me to inherit eternal life? What is it going to take? Jesus lays out the commands. He goes, hey, I'm a good Jewish boy. I've been doing these things since my youth. Since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looks at him and loves him. And he says, but one thing you lack. But one thing you lack. I know you've been good, but you've missed this very important part. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. Then you can come follow me. And the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Because he had things? No. But because things had him. See, this man was running a race. And his race was proved, first of all, by the things that he had. He had a lot of stuff. He was a rich, young ruler. We've all probably met rich people in our life. Usually, rich people aren't young people. But here he is. He's young. He's accomplished. He's ambitious. And he is ruling. But he's actually not ruling very well. He's being ruled by his stuff. See, stuff had him. He was a servant. So he wasn't the rich, young ruler. He was the poor, young servant. He was enslaved. So his race was proved by the stuff that he had. It was proved by the works that he did. He was doing good. He was doing good works. He kept the commandments. But I'm afraid that he kept the commandments as accomplishments, just like his stuff. He had all this stuff to prove that he was right before God. How many know that a righteous heart will always cause us to follow regulations? It always will. A right heart, you'll do the right thing. Some people say, oh, he's got a good heart, but he does the wrong thing. Not according to Jesus. If we have the right heart, we'll do the right thing. But following the regulations by just doing the right things will never make your heart right. 
And so Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. I can see you're really good with all this stuff. Let's see what's beneath the stuff. And the other thing about this guy's race is that he was winning. If he walked into our church today, if we had him over for group at our house, we would call him blessed. We would say, look how God's blessed him. He's been living right. He's been doing all the right stuff. And look, God has rewarded him. Look at all the nice things he has. How many of us would do that? If we didn't know the backstory, if we didn't know that the things had him, we would call him blessed. But let me tell you, his blessings were getting the best of him. They weren't blessings at all. They were actually a curse. His success, listen, his success was killing his opportunity at the race that Jesus was offering him. So he couldn't get into the race that Jesus was calling him into because he was so successful at the race that he was running. And Jesus said, I want it all. I want it all. Not just your commands, not just your lip service, not your quote-unquote success. I want you. And he knew that the stuff had the man. So my question for you today is what race are you running? What race are you running? What are you living for? What is the purpose of your life? Let me tell you how to answer that question. By answering this question, what would it take to make you successful? What would it take? I want you to think about that just for a moment. What would it take for you to consider yourself successful? Because Paul is saying, I've been successful. I've fought my fight. I've ran, ran my race. I've, I've held on to the faith. I've endured. What would it take for you to consider yourself successful? Let me give you the answer. Are you willing to say yes? to Jesus? Are you willing to say yes if it costs you everything you have? Are you willing? That's what makes you successful. See, your success is rooted in your obedience, not your accomplishments. Your greatest accomplishment in this life will be your obedience to Jesus, will be entering his race. What would make you successful? Is it money? Is it position? Is it recognition? Is it fame? Is it the American dream? Is it three children and a dog in a yard? Is that what success looks like to you? Those are all great things. But if at the end of the day you can say I'm successful because I have these things, then you are very unsuccessful in the eyes of God. See, we find our place in running God's race. That's where you'll be found. That's where you'll find fulfillment. That's how you follow Jesus. So let's talk about this race. We find our place in running God's race. Can we say that with me today? We find our place in running God's race. See, the race, what is it? Well, first of all, it's a grace race. It's a grace race. See, we are only involved in the race of God because God said this, Josh Brown, I want you in. 
And then I said, yes. It's a grace race. It's not because I was qualified. It's not because I'm a good runner. We've already talked about that. It's not because I'm talented or because I'm gifted. It's because of the grace of God. It's because of the goodness of God. It's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I've kept all the commandments. No, no, no. It's because he's a good God. And he said, hey, do you want it? And I said, yeah, sign me up. He said, it'll cost you everything. I said, all right. For me, it took two years before I could say, okay, Lord, I'm done with this life. I'm done with my race. I'll get into yours. See, grace isn't simply about covering our lack, but about empowering us to run his race. His race, listen, requires grace. That's the problem with this guy. He was used to earning things. He was used to to applying skill. Let me tell you today, it don't matter how skilled you are, how great you're personality is, how gifted you are, how talented you are, where you're at on the Enneagram, none of that really matters in your success for God. And your success in God is found in your yes. Your success is in your yes. Your yes to the grace of God. Your yes to the grace of God. Will you say, God, I can't earn it. I really don't have anything to offer you except for my space for your race. So here I go. I say yes to it. Let me, let me suggest this to you. You don't need the grace of God to run your race. Here we see a man right here that didn't need the grace of God. Therefore, he didn't get it. The only people that get grace are those that need it. And he didn't need it. You don't need grace to be successful in this world. You don't need grace to make lots of money, to be talented, to have a great personality. You don't need grace for that. Will grace provide those things for you? Absolutely. But you don't need grace for the world and sometimes even the church to call you blessed. This young man had it all, yet he had it all wrong. I've kept the commands. I'm a good person. I don't sin a lot. I've kept these from my youth. And Jesus looks at him and says, so, son, (laughs) Since you're so self-disciplined and you're so righteous, why don't you go and sell everything you have and follow me? And at that moment, he says no to grace. Because Jesus was an, an accomplishment. See, his grace, this race is not about you, but it involves you. It's not about you, but it involves you. So will God use your personality and your Enneagram and your, yeah, your gifts? Yeah, absolutely. He will just get in on his race. But it's really not about you. It just involves you. And he wants you in on it. The problem is we think it's about us. The problem we think, we think is the, the, the race, God's plan for my life, this mindset, and I, I want to help you break that down. I think we're all asking, God, what is your plan for my life? I, I understand your intention. I've prayed that. But listen, that will be fulfilled when I say, God, my life for your plan. If I can say that, then my plans, his plans for my life are all going to be figured out. I won't even have to pray about it. It'll just happen because I've lost my will for his. 
And that's when I find fulfillment. No wonder. So many are so discouraged, depressed, defeated. Why? Because they've made life about them. We have the most self-centered culture of all time. There's more self-help books. There's more self-awareness. There's more how can I discover myself, self-care, self-this, self-that. Yet we have more depression, more discouragement, more despair than society has ever known. Why? Because it's become all about us. Beloved, if you will get outside of yourself and start saying, man, God has a plan and I want in on it, you will find fulfillment in that. You won't have to be saying, cater to my life. It is not about you. Beloved, it involves you. God wants you in on his great and glorious plan. It's so more fulfilling than you can imagine. But you've got to quit with this mindset of thinking your plans are better. And the reason why this man couldn't give up everything to follow Jesus is because he thought his stuff was better than Jesus. We don't, we're not willing to say God take it all because we think that we have a better plan than he does. We find our place in running God's race. We find our place in running God's race. So what I've, what I've discovered is if I will take care of what's on his heart, <laughs> he'll take care of what's on mine. Because at that point, he's put it there. At that point, he's put it there. So if I will take care of what's on his heart, then he'll take care of what's on my heart. You know what's on his heart? The same thing that's been there since Adam and Eve. Called the kingdom. The king's domain. We, we talked about this several months ago, I believe at the beginning of the year, but the kingdom is your number one priority. No, no, no. God's my priority. God's not your priority. He doesn't want to be on your list. God is central to your life. Everything in your life surrounds around Jesus. So the first thing in your life, because everything's surrounded around Jesus, is his kingdom. This is why Jesus says right here, in Matthew chapter 6, I'm getting ahead of myself on the notes, but Matthew chapter 6, he says this, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Know what he's talking about? He's talking about worry. He's talking about people stressing out. Oh, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to get the bills paid. I don't know how everything's going to get taken care of. And Jesus is like, man, why are you, why are you freaking out? Why are you worrying? Why, why are you tripping? <laughs> Don't you see the birds of the air? How they, man, they don't, they don't worry. They don't stress out about anything. They're just kind of going. And he says, let me, let me help you out with all that worry. Let me help get you into a worry-free zone. You want to live there? Like, yeah, Jesus, give us the key on how to manage our finances. He says this, seek first the kingdom. And God's righteousness and all these things, all the stuff that you worry about, I'll take care of it. If you will do what's on my heart, I will take care of what's on yours. That takes grace. It takes grace to get there. It's a grace race. Number two, the race is a chase. The race is a chase. See, we're all chasing something. What are your goals? You should have goals. But what do your goals look like? How does God fit in your goals? What I love about 
Jesus is that he reached out to me first. Did you know that? Did you know that you never really wanted God until he put that one in you? And then he tagged you, and now you want him. And it's like this supernatural tag match. <laughs> Lord, I just want to touch you. That's what happens, right? When we go in worship, we go, Lord, I want to touch you. Boom. And he's like, yes, boom. And we're like, whoa, that's heavy. But some of us just aren't willing to reach out and tag. It's a chase. And chasing involves a race, and you got to run to get a hold of Jesus. Did God choose you or you choose God? Yes. Yes. So Jesus is telling this man, listen, man, if you want this, you got to get in the right race. The race isn't about stuff. It's not about regulations. It's about the guy you're running behind. It's about the pace setter. Jesus is the pace setter. If you want to follow me, if you want to race, then you got to run behind me. It's not about the regulations. It's not about the stuff. It's about following me. Seek first his kingdom. What is your chase? Jesus said, this needs to be your chase. Your chase needs to be the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that you're in full-time ministry. You already are in full-time ministry. Ministry, we're all in full-time ministry. What's full-time ministry? That means that that means your mission in your life to do what God's called you to do does not exist on a Saturday morning once every quarter from nine to three. It means it's not an event. It means you are a missionary. You carry a mission. We are a missional church. We impart to you the spirit of Jesus to go out into the world to cast out demons, come on to heal the sick. We, do, we live that way. Why don't we do more outreaches? Because we are outreach. Wow. Why, what are you all doing for outreach? Living? I've had people ask me that before. What do you all do for outreach? Um, we live for the kingdom of God first. That's what we do. So we reach out all the time. We're always reaching out. Do we need to do outreaches? Yes. Love outreaches. They're great. I just don't like organizing them. So if you want, if you want to see more outreaches, organize it. You're an outreach organizer. I'm not. I'm outreaching all the time. Outreaching people all the time. That's what we're doing. We are outreach. We're the kingdom. We're advancing. We're moving forward. Y'all all right? Why aren't we? Yeah, go do it. Why aren't we? Why aren't you? <laughs> you like that? Why aren't you? Why aren't we? Why aren't you? Why are you? I don't know. You tell me. Why aren't we? This, this is like a one word. Why aren't we? All right. I don't even know where that is. I spent too much time in West Texas last week, so it'll get out of me soon. The race. It's a grace race. The race is a chase. We're pursuing the kingdom. Number three, the race has a pace. And the pace is steady. The pace is consistency. See, it's not about a place. Oh, it's about... Go and walk the altar so I can pray a prayer so I'll go to heaven when I die. Awesome. But the kingdom of God is not about a place. Jesus said the kingdom is in you. Will we go to a place? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not about a place. It's about a pace. It's moving. It's progressive. It has direction. It's forward. It's forcefully advancing. Jesus makes that statement. 
since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. See, you might not be the fastest. You might not be the loudest. I'm probably the loudest, at least right now. Definitely not the fastest. Definitely not the most gifted. But we don't really measure pace by an instant or by a gift. We measure pace by consistency. We measure pace by faithfulness. See, steady wins the race. You guys know that story, the tortoise and the hare? You all familiar with that? First of all, who talks like that? Who uses those words, tortoise and the hare? Because if you look at the book, it's a turtle, which is tortoise. I get the tortoise thing, but who calls them tortoise? I mean, who sees a, a turtle crossing the road and goes, look, a tortoise? Nobody does that. Who sees a jackrabbit and goes, oh, a hare. It's funny. I had some people come up to me after second service. Did you know a hare is an actual thing? I was like, thanks for paying attention to the message. So glad you got so much out of that. Glad that was your favorite part. <laughs> All this work I put in, and you're like telling me you're correcting my theology on rabbits and turtles. I'm sorry, tortoises and hares. Who talks like that? You guys know the story, right? It's an Aesop fable. And so the story goes like this, that there was a rabbit who was really fast, like rabbits are, a hare rabbit, not a bunny rabbit, but like a jackrabbit, like a hare. Not like a hare on your head, but a hare. See how confusing it is? Okay, that's why we need to change it. So the rabbit takes off running. Well, they, they're at the finish line. The rabbit says, hey, I want to race somebody. And the turtle says, I'll race you. The tortoise, sorry. Land turtle says, hey, I'll race you. <laughs> okay, let's go. So they go. They get up at the starting line, <laughs> the gunshot or whatever, the moose moose, cow moose. They start moving, and the rabbit takes off. We know the story. Right? <laughs> Almost to the finish line, gets a little tired, gets a little burned out, decides to take a nap. Goes over, gets underneath the trees like, hey, there's no way this guy will catch up. Falls asleep, and when he wakes up, he looks over, and the turtle, tortoise, is crossing the finish line and wins a race. Why? Because steady wins a race, and that's what the lesson teaches us, is the steadiness that, that reaches the race. It doesn't matter who is more gifted. One was definitely a more gifted runner. The other wasn't a gifted runner, but he had consistency. He had steadiness. He had a lifestyle of just keeping on going. I'll probably not win the race, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey and obey and obey and obey. And when I cross the line, there'll be the great judge of all the ages saying, well done, that good and faithful servant. You weren't gifted, but you were faithful. And that's what I'm looking for. And what we have with this man is we have intentions. He shows up. Declaring, Jesus, I want in. I want to follow you. I'm bowing down. I'm running down the altar. I'm signing the sheet. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm submitted. What do you want me to do? You know, submission's always easy until it involves submitting. 
Oh, I'm, I'm so submitted. Are you submitted to do something you don't want to do? Then your submission's never been proved. Your honor's never been proved. It requires you to do it when you don't want to do it, when you're not feeling it. So he appeared to be in surrender until it cost him. And I've known many people over my life that they're like, yeah, I'm all into this Jesus thing except for this, except I sin a little. Let me tell you, beloved, stop making light of your sin and start making big of your holy God because the most common declaration of God in Scripture is not God is love. It's God is holy, and he wants holiness out of his people. Now, does he love you if you're not holy? Absolutely. And he loves you enough to make you holy. So stop excusing your sin. I love Jesus, but I sin a little. Apparently, you don't love him enough, or you wouldn't think of you take your sin so lightly. Sorry. Not sorry. Love you. Just like Jesus said that, man. I love you. Sorry, not sorry. The kingdom. Remember Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. In order to take hold of the kingdom, you've got to let go of your kingdom. You've got to let go of what's in your hand to take hold of his hand. This isn't, we are talking about this in first service. Pastor Brooke gave me the verbiage because I think about a three-legged race. Some of you are running a three-legged race. You got one leg in the kingdom and another leg attached somewhere else doing your own thing. You're running to, no wonder you can't go anywhere. No wonder you keep falling. No wonder you, because you're not sold out to the race. Baby, get that blade of the, the spirit, the sword of the word of God, the spoken, living, active word of God, and slice that rope off and enter into the race of God. Allow the, the word of the Lord to cut your heart and respond to it. And enter into the kingdom. We find our place by running God's race. We find our place running God's race. And let me encourage you in this. Don't be an intender. Don't be an intender. What do you mean by that? Well, intenders are like what this guy was. He had every intention of following Jesus, but he ended up being a pretender. Intenders produce the same amount as pretenders. Don't be a pretender. Don't be fake. Don't be phony. But also don't be big on intentions and underdeliver. Other words, quit talking. <laughs> Start being faithful. How many of y'all ever been frustrated? Somebody like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll be there. I'll take care of that. I, you know what I found? I found that's more common than people being faithful. We got all, I had good, I was going to be there. Was, oh, well, excuses, excuses, excuses. Stop making excuses and start making arrangements. And show up to deliver what you committed to. All right. I'm preaching. All right. Let me encourage you in this. You are a runner. You are a runner. You're in this thing. God has called you. You're a pursuer of Jesus. You're a kingdom shaker. Cut off that third leg. Get in the race. It's time. It's go time. I, yesterday, I went and saw Papa Sullivan. He's in the hospital. That's why he couldn't be here today. And he fell and broke his arm. And, and so I went and saw him. And... Uh, 
I'm sitting there beside him, and he's almost 90 years old. His, his heart is so much bigger than his body can handle. Like, he's got, there's so many things. He was like, I want to go to Haiti one more time, and I want to go with him. Some of y'all that know what's happening in Haiti and with our partnership there. And I want him to go because I know it's in his heart to go. But I also know that physically, barring a miracle, there's just no way he can go. I mean, he's, he's been in the hospital a couple of times over the last, just over the last two weeks. And so I'll go in to see him yesterday and start talking to him. And, you know, he's, he's in pretty bad shape. And he said, you know, brother, in all things, give thanks. And he said, listen, he said, you make sure that you, you talk to my daughter. She's got some money for Haiti. Here's a man, an old man who should just be enjoying some kind of retirement or be honored and not have to do anything. And he's gone. there's still work to be done. He's all in. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this man and I'm thinking, I hope when I'm that old and I hope when I'm that broken down, when I'm about to cross the finish line, I hope that I'm still running strong. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He makes this statement. He says, run in such a way to get the prize. That's Papa Sullivan. He's going to get the prize. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I want him to, I want him to stay. I want to go to Haiti. But I, at the same time, I'm like, he's like, Paul, you can't wait to get to his reward. This race is your place. You find your place in his, in his race. It's where you belong. You belong in the race of God. It's far more fulfilling than anything that you can ever accomplish, you could ever do. No matter how many people can say your name, it's far more fulfilling. I want to minister three things today. I'm going to ask the ministry team to go ahead and come forward because I, I feel like that this is... This is pretty broad, but for some of you, it's also very specific. The first is this, is some of you just need to get in the race. That you want to have that total yes in your heart. And I'm not going to call you up individually. I just want you to ponder these questions, and then we'll allow you a moment to just respond. Some of you, it's that. You just need to get in the race. You need to start following Jesus. You need to start pursuing Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus, not just invite Jesus into your life. No, no, no. You need to invite your life into Jesus. <laughs> you need to self-invite yourself. Is that what they call it? Self-invite. Some of you need to get back on track. Because you were. Paul Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, You're running so well. You're running so well. Who has held you back? 
What has held you back from running God's way? So you were doing pretty good. Why, why, why'd you get off track? And some of you need to get back on track. And it is a race. It's a, it's a grace race. So it's, it's pretty easy for you to get right back on. It's just about you just saying, yeah, Lord, yes, I want to get back on. And the third is this, is some of you are weary in the running. You're doing it. You're in God's race. You're running. With purpose, with intention, you are going after God. You're in this thing. But you're weary. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews just gets finished talking about all these people of faith that have gone before. And he says, now there are a great cloud of witnesses. They're all like in the stands cheering us on as we run the race. And they're going, yeah, come on, run. I heard a me- message one time preached on this. It said, Moses needs you. Moses is in the stands going, yes, you're the one. You have the baton. You're running God's race. It's God's race. You're running it. And he says this, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Not your race, his race, the race that he marked out. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame, and now he is set at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. It says later down, it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, who struggled in this life. Consider him so that you won't grow weary. So that you won't lose heart. Would you just, how do I get over this discouragement? I'm I'm running I'm running his race. I'm all in, but I'm feeling weary. Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. Grace. Grace doesn't just initiate the race. It's a race of grace. It's a grace race.